E-Tidings Cosmos. Good morning, 21st century world of worlds. This is Radio Richard Ireland, coming to you from within the soundproofless studio of life itself. Thormila Falcher wrote and Hear this, listener, give it here your fullness of ear. From the beginning there is breath, and upon that breath there are words. Two daffodils have just come into flower in our garden, and I heard them speak, saying, We have arrived. It has taken us over eleven months to come into our full appearance, and delighted we are, and greatly looking forward we are to the next few days. Driving along yesterday, in the high wind-driven pouring rain, and the rivers and the streams were begin to overflow, the fields welling up ever-widening lakes. Few, if any, birds I could see, for they had hidden themselves away in shelter safe. Saw sheep with their young lambs, and they were all contentedly grazing away, as if it were a bright sunny day. Perhaps to be grazing in the rain has a charm all of its own making, and who knows, may the, maybe the grass tastes quite nice, wet. Saw some white geese in a castellone field, playing in and out of an overflowing stream. They appear to be having the greatest of fun. Only horses stood still, with their backs turned to the wind, gazing upon the scene of their field filling up. Perhaps they were wondering, when will it stop? How long until it subsides, before they can return to grazing again? A word my beloved father once told me. Horses can see the wind. In today's broadcast, I'll be reading some more from Prince Hamlet on the nature of things and the true classic of Southern Taoist fragrance. This is a reading from Prince Hamlet. What said Ophelia, be it had said to you? So please you, something touching Lord Hamlet. Marry well, be thought, tis told me he had very oft of late given private time to you, and you yourself have of your audience been most free and bounteous. If it be so, and so it is put to me, and that in way of caution I must tell you, you do not understand yourself so clearly, as behoves my daughter and your honour. What is between you? Give me up the truth. He hath, my lord, of late made many tenders of his affection to me, Affection! You speak like a green girl, unsifted in such perilous circumstance. Do you believe his tenders, as you call them? I do not know, my lord, what I should think. Mary, I'll teach you. Think yourself a baby. That you have taken these tenders for true pay, which are not sterling. Tender yourself more dearly. Or, not to crack the wind of the poor phrase running it thus, 
you'll tender me a fool. My lord, he had importuned me with love in honourable fashion. Ah, fashion you may call it, good, good. And had given countenance to his speech, my lord, with almost all the vows of heaven. I springs to catch woodcocks. I do know, when the blood burns, how prodigal the soul lends the tongue vows. These blazes, daughter, given more light than heat, extinct in boat, even in their promise, as it is a making, you must not take for fire. From this time be somewhat scanter of your maiden presence. Set your entreatments at a higher rate than a command to parley. For Lord Hamlet believes so much in him that he is, he is young, and with a larger theatre maybe he walk than may be given to you. In few, Ophelia, do not believe his vows, for they are brokers, not of that dye which their investments show, but mere impolators of unholy suits, breeding like sanctified and pious boards, the better to beguile. This is for all. I would not, in plain terms from this time forth, have you so slander any moment leisure as to give words or talk with the Lord Hamlet. Look to I charge you. Come your ways. I shall obey, my lord. This is a reading in continuity from the first century B.C. poem on the nature of things by the Roman poet and philosopher Titus Lucretius Carus. So in our program of creation, mark how tis that Though the bodies of all stuff are solid to the core, we yet explain the ways whereby some things are fashioned soft. Air, water, earth, and fiery exhalations, and by what force they function and go on. The fact is founded in the void of things. But if the primal germs themselves be soft, Reason cannot be brought to bear to show the ways whereby may be created these great crags of basalt and the during iron, for their whole nature will profoundly lack the first foundations of a solid frame. But powerful in old simplicity abide the solid, the primeval germs, and by their combinations more condensed all objects can be tightly knit and bound and made to show unconquerable strength. Again, since all things kind by kind obtain fixed bounds of growing and conserving life, since nature had inviolably decreed what each can do, what each can never do, since naught is changed, but all things so abide that ever the variegated birds reveal, the spots or stripes peculiar to their kind, spring after spring, thus surely all that is must be composed of matter immutable. For if the primal germs in any wise were open to conquest and to change, twould be uncertain also what could come to birth and what could not, and by what law to each its scope prescribed, its boundary stone that clings so deep in time. Now could the generations, kind after kind, so often reproduce the nature, habits, motion, ways of life of their progenitors?
This is an interpretation, after my own fashioning, of some lines from the true classic of Southern Taoist fragrance. Nautry star visitor spoke to me, saying, Humaculate of error, what stories, what anecdotes, what insights do you bring to this new dawn? There was once a king of the Longford Landry, who used love to rear pigeons. From boyhood he used love to be letting them fly off into the sky and find their own way home. He was so very fond of them that he would name each and every one, and each one would come to him when he called their name. And as a boy he would cry if any one of them for some reason, didn't make it home on time with the others. He would wait and wait outside for them until the last one returned. And even as a grown man, even as the king, he would still name all of his pigeons and delight in calling each one of them by name, and they coming to him and he waiting for the last one to return home. He had a daily feeding routine with them. In the mornings, he would give them only three scoops of, say, grains or seeds or berries, but in the evening he would give them four. And the pigeons were always very happy with that arrangement. Now, for some unknown reason, he decided to modify that routine. Instead of giving them three scoops in the morning, he would now give them four, and in the evening, instead of four, he would only give them three. The first morning he did that, the pigeons were very happy to see that he had given them an extra scoop. But come that evening, they became very upset when he had only given them three scoops. The next morning he'd done the same, and the pigeons were cautiously happy. There was a feeling among them that they were going to wait and see what was going to happen that evening. And sure enough, come the evening, he only gave them three scoops. They became extremely upset and refused outright to eat anything he gave them the next morning. They spent the entire day noisily complaining, puffing up and pushing out their chests, throwing tantrums and strutting about in a desperate huff. Then he thought they might feel better if he were to let them fly about for a little while. But lo and behold, they wouldn't even budge from out of the coop, even though he went as far as removing its roof. That night he went to bed greatly troubled, and wondered what could have been the cause of them being so upset, to the point of them being totally uncooperative. Sometime during the night, and with he not being able to sleep, he arose, and went to his bedchamber window, 
and from there he beheld off in the heavens over in the constellation Taurus the Pleiades star cluster and they were very and they very much reminded him of his beloved pigeons and as he was gazing up at them he asked himself could it possibly be that they didn't like his modification to the eating routine so the next morning he returned to giving them three scoops and that evening four and the pigeons returned to being their happy selves the next day he did the same and the day after that and the pigeons were extremely happy and whenever he would open the hatches for them to come out and fly they would willingly do so and have mighty fun so they would wheeling about above the trees and the roofs before happily returning to the coop and when he took them on journeys they would enjoy being let fly all the way home and the king was well pleased for he had learned something very important about feelings in a dawn reverie of this new day meditated I on what an immortal self of mine did say did lovingly relay way back in days of long long gone by O mortal self of mine when with living in your own realm and time you will rise on the beautiful carpet you have woven untrammeled in the blue sky of day and the starry heavens of night will you travel way out of sight all right i will leave it at that for today enjoy taking very good care of yourself and those around you be ever so grateful for your many blessings and spare a thought too for peoples living in faraway places in all different kinds of situations often very difficult but and not at all of their own making you have been listening to an irish philosopher of the natural kind bringing radio to the internet via radio richard island on the air globally for about 15 minutes monday to friday and occasionally on the weekends this is an update on the broadcast transcripts although i had planned to make them available i won't be able to do so due to a lack of hours in the day please accept my humble apologies it is truly an honor to have your listening may you be a blessing unto yourself by way of your past by way of your present and by way of your future slon agus banaklat